This morning, please, to Ephesians chapter 5. If you please find Ephesians chapter 5. We're taking a break from our study in the Gospel of John today because it's Mother's Day. And uh, we do want to honor our mothers, and I think it's appropriate for us to do that. I'm not one who likes to necessarily set aside particular days to honor anyone. But when we honor our mothers in a biblical way, I think that is certainly right. I think the Lord uh, commands us to do that. The Ten Commandments tells us that we are to honor our father and our mother. And most of you know that the Ten Commandments are divided into two sections. The first four commandments deal with our relationship with God, and the last six commandments deal with our relationship with one another. And I don't think that it's insignificant that the first of the commands in our relationship to one another is that we honor our father and our mother. So it's good for us to do this, and we thank the Lord that we have the opportunity to honor mothers today. Now, having said that, my message this morning is really not about mothers particularly, but I want to speak to you today about the home, so I want to talk about that. I do realize that there are, are some single mothers that are in our congregation today. And, uh, but I think all of us would agree that the ideal setting for a home is a godly father and a godly mother and children who obey their parents. And I certainly don't want to put down motherhood in any way. But I'm going to speak about family today and uh, the normal family, uh, families that we have. Uh, I know that many families are, are looking for the secrets of a successful home. We find many uh, books in our bookstores that tell us about how to keep romance in a marriage, how to keep a marriage alive, uh, how to raise your kids. There are books about psychoanalyzing your position in your family. But if you want to know how to have a successful family, the very first place that you ought to look is the Word of God. And you ought to build your family around God's Word. And I promise you that if you'll do that, you will have a successful family. Now this morning, I'd like to talk to you about God's organizational chart for your home. Now, just as your business has a, a way that it operates and an organized way to operate, so God also has a way that he wants the family to operate, and he has a certain organization. Now, I'd like you to stand uh, with me, if you would, please, as we read God's Word. We're looking at Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 22. Today, we're going to read all the way down through verse number 33. So if you'd follow along with me, please, Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 22. This is the Apostle Paul writing, and he says, Wives... Submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones." For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, 
and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the good number of people that we have here today to listen to your word. I ask you, Lord, that you might speak to our hearts as we talk about the home, the family, as we speak about the organization of the home. And Lord, I just pray that we might take these things to heart, we might understand your word very clearly, and Lord, that we would build our families around your holy word, because we know that's what brings success. Uh, Bless in this message today, bless as we hear, and bless as I preach. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Back in 1975, there was a, a movie that came out called The Stepford Wives. Anybody ever see that movie? I understand that they had a remake of that recently. And in this movie, The Stepford Wives, uh, the women were made into robots. And what they were to do, they had to cater to their husbands every whim, do everything that their husband said, and follow him explicitly in all of his directions. And I watched that movie and I thought, well, you know, that's a pretty good idea. Uh, I like that idea pretty well. In 1974, my wife and I were married. It was just before that movie came out. And I, and I really do think that that movie became her favorite movie of all time. Because when, whenever, whenever we would get into an argument, she would always say to me, is, well, what you want is you want me to be your little Stepford wife who does everything that you say I do, all, uh, what you say all of the time. And I said, yeah, that's pretty much right. Uh, that, that would be good. That, I would like that. Well, for, for guys, you know, that sounds like a real good thing, and it sounds like something that we want, but that's certainly not the way that the Bible puts it. That's not what the Bible commands. And in these scriptures in the book of Ephesians, the Bible does say, it does say, we just read it, that a woman is to submit to her husband. Verse number 22 says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as, uh, as unto the Lord. And whatever that word submit means... Whatever you think that that means, well, somehow it has to be biblical because this is what God said. So whether you understand it correctly or not, I don't know. But the Word of God says that a woman is to submit to her husband and God has commanded it. Verse 24, Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Now, I want to talk about that first today. We're going to talk about the role of the wife. And the Bible tells us that the role of the wife is to submit. And I know right now, as I look over the congregation, some of you ladies, you're getting a little bit nervous about this, maybe a little bit antsy, and you don't like this word submit. Because in our society today, to even think that a woman is supposed to submit herself to her husband, and they think about that word submission, that is just not politically correct. We don't like that. It's not in our nature. We just don't like it in this day of equality for us to think that a wife has to be submissive to her husband. So that's one of the greatest social heresies that you can commit today. Well, folks, here is the problem, and I think it lies in the misunderstanding of what the Bible means when it says that a woman is to submit to her husband. Now, that word submit, the word submission, has a very negative connotation to us. Studies have shown that when you use that word, especially in a marriage, that people get upset about it, and women think, well, that equates to slavery. Submission means inferiority, or submission means that I have to be the doormat in my family. And there was a study done about 10 years ago where 69% of the people said that they did not agree with this statement that a woman is to submit to her husband. 
And I suspect that if we were to take that survey again today, the, the, the percentages would be much higher. Women do not want to submit. But the problem, I think, is with a misunderstanding of what the Bible means when it says women or wives, you are to submit to your husbands. Now, let me tell you, ladies, first of all today, and all of you mothers, that you ought to, first of all, refuse feelings of inferiority. Because when the Bible talks about submission, it is not talking about inferiority. The Bible does not equate submission with inferiority. Now, admittedly, there are lots of people who who misinterpret the Scriptures, and some have gone so far to say that the Apostle Paul is against women. I had a person in our church here who wrote me a letter a few years ago and said, why is the Apostle Paul so much against women? Why does he put women down so badly? And really, her, her question came from a misunderstanding of what God's Word says and what Paul means when he says that a wife is to submit. Now, and it's really not hard for us to figure out where that misunderstanding comes from because really it comes from religious teaching. Uh, we have taught the Scriptures wrongly, and that's why people have the wrong idea what this word submission means. And so, uh, you take all the way up into the 1920s, until 1920, women were not allowed to vote in this country. And the reason they were subjugated in that area was because of the religious teaching of the time. And you don't have to look very far today, folks, to find pastors and preachers who still, if they don't physically beat their wives... They verbally abuse them. And you find that the same thing, the same wrong religious teaching is still taking place today. But a woman does not have to accept a feeling of inferiority in order to be in in subjection to her husband. Now, it's evident to us that men and women are not equal in every respect. I mean, we're we're not equal in, in physical strength. I mean, that's, that's a given, isn't it? Most men are, are stronger than women. So maybe in that sense, women are not equal to men. But in every other area, the Bible teaches us that women are equal to men. Now, understand that when I say equal here, I am not saying that men and women are identical. Praise God that men and women are not identical. I, I'd have a hard time kissing Dave Sharon, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I don't consider my wife to be inferior because, because she's in subjection and, and, and because we're not identical. That doesn't mean that she's inferior to me. I mean, you can walk into my, our bathroom at home and you can tell that my wife and I are not equal to, I mean, are, are not, uh, not identical to one another. I mean, you go in my bathroom, I have four things that belong to me. A brush, a comb, a toothbrush, and a razor. She has 732 items in the bathroom. She's got five drawers. She's got a space underneath the sink. And I had to go buy a cabinet to put all the other stuff in, that most of which I have no idea what it's even used for. We're not identical. But that doesn't mean that we're not equal. We're not inferior. When we go to the store, we're not identical. I go to the store and, and I see an item that I really need, and I'll pay $5 for a $3 item if I really need it. She goes to the store, and she pays $3 for a $5 item because it's on sale. We don't really need it. And, and these two-for-one deals, now we have two things at home that we don't need instead of one. We're not identical. Men and women are not identical, but that does not mean that we're not equal. Now, my wife is sick today, and so I was, I was able to say all these things. Um, actually... 
my, if it, the truth of the matter, I'm exaggerating, of course. And if there's anybody who keeps the budget in line at home, it's my wife. And she's a good woman, and I love her very much. And, and uh, so don't think I'm just making sport of her today. But we're not equal, folks. Men and women are not equal. But that doesn't mean that women are inferior to men. And we need to also understand that in the context of this verse here, of what Paul is teaching, the context of submission does not mean that a woman has to give blind obedience to an abusive husband. The Bible says here, in the Lord. And you know, we do find many godly women who think that being in submission means this, that they have to subject themselves to the abuse of their husband. And I'm telling you, that's wrong. And I'm, a, a man is not a man. If he has to do, if he does anything other than to lay his hands on his wife or anything other than loving, he's not a man. A man's never supposed to strike a woman. It's a sourly, a sorry, cowardly man who would do something like that. But you need to understand, women, if you have an abusive husband, wives, if you have an abusive husband, you need to get some help. You need to do something about that and understand that you're God's child before you're any, any man's wife. I think you need to understand that. So you can be submissive to your husband, but at the same time, you can still reject a feeling of inferiority to him. So reject those feelings. But I want to tell you also that you need to accept the chain of command. Because the Bible does give us a change of command, a chain of command. And here's the thing about submission. It's not so much an activity, but it is an attitude where the wife surrenders herself to the leadership role of her husband. Now, in any organization, you have to have a chain of command. Right here in the church, we have a chain of command. You know, I'm not a pastor who thinks that I'm above everyone else. I'm not somebody who flaunts authority. I'm not somebody who thinks that I'm not anything above an ordinary member of this church. But the members of our church have voluntarily submitted themselves to my leadership. And in your home, God has designated a spiritual leader for the home. And the wife needs to accept that leadership role of her husband. The word submit here is actually a military term. And it's the same idea that we get of a soldier subjecting himself to an officer. Now, here's one thing that we know, that even in the military, they have a system in place where a soldier does not have to obey an unlawful order. And there are times, folks and wives, there are times when your husband may tell you to do something that's wrong. He makes a wrong decision, and that doesn't mean that you have to blindly follow whatever he says. You have the right as a wife to take your husband aside and discuss that with him. Don't be rebellious towards him, but you discuss those things because, quite frankly, we make some bonehead decisions sometimes. Sometimes we make the wrong decisions, and, and a wife and a husband may need to discuss those things. But you need to understand this, that it's the husband who's held responsible for the, phys- for the uh, spiritual and, and physical decisions. One person put it this way, submission means, now as a wife, submission means that you duck so that God has a clear shot at your husband. (laughs) He's the one who has the responsibility. Now, I know that there are some, some of you husbands that are sitting out here today and you're thinking, well, that's right, pastor, that's right. You're absolutely about right, right about this. You sock it to the women. You let them have it. And if you have those thoughts, you need to listen to what I have to say next. 
Because you need to understand the awesome responsibility that God has put on you as a husband. God has put a demand upon you. And if you want to be the big macho guy sitting around the house, then you need to understand that that does not come without responsibility. Now, next we're going to talk about the husband's role. And it's the role of the husband to step up. And here's the problem. That many of you husbands, you're couch potatoes... And you look at your wife as your slave, and you expect your wife to cater to all of your whims. And if she doesn't do exactly what you tell her to do, and she doesn't do it in a timely manner, then you get upset about that. You get bitter about that, and she becomes a source of irritation to you. Maybe you heard this story. Uh, it was about a little boy who was going to Sunday school, and he learned about Adam and Eve. And the Sunday school teacher talked to him and, and told him how that God took a rib out of Adam, and he made Eve. Well, a few days later, his side was hurting. And so he went to his mom and he said, Mom, my side hurts. I think I'm having a wife. (laughs) And that's how we look at that sometimes. Like like she's irritating to us. But in Colossians 3.19, Colossians 3.19, the scripture says, Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Now, if a husband wants a submissive wife then he needs to be a man who deserves submission. And to love his wife properly, he's not somebody who throws his weight around the house. The word husband actually comes from an old Norse word, and it means one who holds the house together. Now, you need to write that down in your listening sheet today. A husband is one who holds the house together. And the problem is that in our modern society, we just don't have enough men who will step up and take this God-given role of being the spiritual leader of the family. And the result is we have families that fall apart. Every year, some of you husbands, you're lying on that 1040 form when you fill out your income tax. You check that little box that says head of household, and you're not really the head of your household. And that's because you haven't stepped up to take your God-given responsibility, the role of being the leader in your house. Well, how do you become this leader of the house? Or how do you become the head of the family, the leader, the leader of your family, just as Paul describes it in, in, in Ephesians chapter 5? Well, don't miss this, because this is the key to you being a successful husband and having the right kind of family. We find it in verse number 25. You may want to underline this. It says, Husbands... Love your wives. And here is the important thing right here. Underline this word, even as. Two words, even as. Husbands, love your wives, even as. Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Now, do you know I believe that verse number 25 is one of the most important verses in the Bible. And the reason that I say that is because God has only given us two institutions in this world. He gave us two things. He gave us... The home, that was first, and then he gave us the church. Those are the only two things that God has given us as institutions. And don't you think it's remarkable here that God does not give 15 commands to tell us how a wife should be a good wife? He only gives us one command, and that's the command to submit. And he doesn't give the husband 20 commands in order to be a good husband. He doesn't have to follow 20 different things. He only has to do one thing, and that is to love. And that's how the Bible says the family is to be run. So the husband is the one who holds the house together. And the band by which he circles and holds that family together tightly is the band of love. Paul says here, even as Christ also 
love the church. Now, husbands, you need to examine that statement. You need to find out what that really means. And in fact, that's exactly what we're going to do. I'm going to help you to understand today, what does Paul mean when he says that a husband is to love his wife even as Christ also loved the church? How is it that Christ loved the church? Well, I want to point out to you, first of all, that Christ loved the church with a selfless love. Do you men realize what happened to you when you let that woman put that ring on your finger? When she put the ring on your finger, that means that you gave up your independence. Before that, every decision that you made only considered one thing, me. I don't have to worry about how my decisions affect anyone else. I just need to worry about me. But when you put that ring on the finger, that means that you gave up that independence and there's someone else that you need to consider in all of your decisions. Now, here the Bible says that Christ loved the church in such a way that he gave himself up for it. Now, you might think, well, that's, that's impossible. It's impossible for me to be happy by giving up my life, giving up my desires, what I want to do for somebody else. There's just no way that I can be happy that way. But that's not what the Bible says. Because the Bible tells us that the greatest joy that Christ had was the fact that he gave up himself for us. In uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy... That was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so the joy of Christ, the thing that delighted him the most, was that he was able to give his life for us. It was a selfless love. And the Bible says there in Hebrews that Christ went, he was looking forward to the time that through this joy, after he had given himself on the cross, that he would once again take his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, what that actually means, the right hand is a euphemism for the most exalted position. And so Christ was looking at this, the the, the greatest work that he could do was the work of redemption in this selfless love where he gave himself for us. Now, if you're a man and you have the selfless love that you ought to have, a husband who has selfless love, then you'll enjoy giving yourself to your wife. You'll enjoy giving up things for her because the Bible says that you have become one flesh. A man and a woman, when they're married, they become one flesh. When you itch, do you scratch? You do, don't you? That feels good, doesn't it? And when your wife has a need, when she needs something supplied for her and you supply that need, you're doing it for yourself. And it feels good. When you give your wife what she needs, you please her just like you want to please yourself. Now, you know, sometimes it's very hard for us to figure out what women need. Men, we don't come by this knowledge naturally. It's hard to figure out what women need. I'm going to help you understand a little bit about women need very quickly. Women need things like security. They need financial security. They need security in their relationship. And women will not be happy unless they know that they have security from their husband. Women need support. They need to know that you're listening to them. You hear them. When they have a need, you're going to bring that and supply that need. When they speak to you, they know that you're going to stand by them. Women also need affection. Women sometimes need to be pampered. They need to be held. They need to be caressed. Women need significance. And what I mean is that your wife needs to know that you are the most significant thing in your life. Your wife needs to know that. Now, I'm gonna, I promise you that as a husband, 
I don't always do all these things like I should. I don't step up as I should sometimes as a husband. But this is exactly what the Bible says that we need to do. We need to supply these things for our wife with a selfless love. Now, you men, you're sitting there, you're thinking, what about me? Don't I have needs also? Women have no problem at all figuring out what you need. They know exactly what you need. Food, the remote control. One other thing, I'm not going to mention a mixed company today, but they know that you need that too, and that's what you want. They don't have any trouble figuring this out. So how are we to love? With a selfless love. Now, the next thing we find here, that Christ also loved his church with a sacrificial love. If you read the Old Testament, the Old Testament canon is always leading us in one direction. Sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. All the way back to the beginning of Genesis, we find Abel bringing a lamb for sacrifice. Abraham brought his son Isaac and would have sacrificed him if God had not provided a ram to be sacrificed instead. Moses took a sacrificial lamb and he killed that lamb in order to celebrate the Passover. In the book of Isaiah, it tells us about the lamb being led to the slaughter. And so we see this over and over again in Scripture. It always points us in this direction. Sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. Then when we get to the New Testament, we find that in the book of Galatians, it says that in the fullness of time, God sent forth his Son made of a woman. And so Jesus Christ came into the world. He gave himself as a sacrifice. And the book of Philippians says that Christ left that throne in glory. He humbled himself. He became a servant. He came into this world to die for sin. And he became the sacrifice, a real sacrifice. That's how Christ loved the church. Paul says, even as Christ loved the church, you are also to love your wife. And so that means you must have a sacrificial love. And that means that you put her well-being in front of your well-being. One thing we know about Christ, if you're a Christian today, you know that Jesus did not force you to obey him. Jesus never forces obedience. The reason that we serve the Lord Christ is out of love. It's because we want to. He gave his life for us and we Give ourselves to him because of that sacrifice, because we love him. And I want to tell you, husbands, if you love your wife with a sacrificial love, she will gladly submit to your leadership. When she feels the sacrificial love, a woman will want to submit herself to her husband. Now, sacrificing for your wife does not mean that you have to die for her. Now, I I would dare say that you will never be called upon to die for your wife. Don't worry about dying for her. The thing you need to worry about is living for her. And that means that you die when you give up your own ambitions, your own plans, everything to satisfy her. And that's the way that Christ loved the church. Now, the next thing we see here in this passage is that Christ loved the church with a sanctifying love. Why don't you look at verses 25 and 26 once again. It says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Now, when we're in this process of sanctification, what God is doing for us as Christians, he's bringing out the very best in us. That's what sanctification is all about. He's purifying, he's cleansing, he's bringing out the very best in our lives, the very best Christian character. 
Now, husbands, that's what you are supposed to do with your wife. Even as Christ also loved the church, it's the job of the husband to lead his wife in such a way that what? She becomes a better Christian. Whoa, that's responsibility, isn't it? That's heavy responsibility. It's your job to lead your wife in such a way that she becomes a better Christian. And I would submit to you today that it's hard for you to be the spiritual head of your family and lead her in the right way if, men, you are nothing but a piece of burnt toast spiritually. It's going to be hard to lead her. You need to realize what God's called you to do. The, the, the Bible says that a spiritual leader, I think, is one who teaches his family the Word of God. That doesn't mean you have to be a Bible expert. You don't have to be a scholar. But I'll tell you this, it means that you should be on your way to learning more about God's Word. You need to be, put yourself in a position where you're learning God's Word so that you can answer the questions that come to you. You know, many times a wife or children will come to, their, to the head of the family, to the husband, to the father, and they'll say, I need to know an answer to this. I don't understand this very well. And a husband should be in a position that if he doesn't have the answers, that he's searching for those answers. And if you're going to find out what God's Word says, you've got to get started in the Word right now. You need to be the spiritual leader of your family. Lead your family spiritually. Now, unfortunately, what most wives and what most children get from the spiritual head of their family, you know what they hear? Dad says, well, we're not going to church this week. We're going to go do something fun. So we're going to leave church out this week. That's what they get from the spiritual head of the family. Some dads bring their wives, drop them off at church. Bring the kids. Drop them off at church. I'm telling you something. You're not the husband that you're supposed to be because the word husband means one who holds the family together. Now, I promise you that I will try to help you in any way that I can. But if you come to my office and you say, Pastor, I'm having a problem with my wife. Pastor, I've got a problem with my children. What should I do? You know the first question I'm going to ask you? Are you the spiritual head of your family? And if you're not, that's where your trouble is going to come from. Jesus was a prophet, a priest, and a king. If you're going to be like Jesus, you have to be a prophet. That's somebody who teaches the family. If you're going to be like Jesus, you have to be a priest. And I mean by that that you need to be the one who has the leadership role of worship in your family... And if you're going to be like Jesus, you need to be a king. But I want to warn you about something. Before you go sit on your throne, when you'll get your royal robe on and sit on your throne as the king of the house, you need to remember what kind of king that Jesus was. What did he do? They put a crown of thorns upon his head, and he sacrificed himself. That's the kind of king that Jesus was. The responsibility of a king is to provide physical protection, safety, and security for his nation. And as a husband, to be the right kind of husband, if you're the king of the house, then it's your responsibility to supply the physical and spiritual needs of your family. Now, there's one other way that Christ loved the church. He loved it with a supreme love. When we think about human love, what is the greatest human love? 
It's Mother's Day, and I'd, I'd like to be able to say to you mothers that the greatest love, greatest human love, is the love that a mom has for her children. And if it's not that love, then perhaps it's the love that children have for their mothers. That's the greatest human love. But you know, as much as I love my mother and as much as my mother loves me, that's not the greatest human love. The Bible teaches us the greatest human love is the love that you have in marriage. The Apostle Paul quotes Jesus in verse number 31. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife and they too shall be one flesh. So here is a love that is so great that what it does, it fuses two people together. It bonds them. It melds them into one. Before there was ever a child, and before there was ever a family, a husband, or a wife, before there were any of those things, there was this thing called marriage. I mean, before there was a family in the sense of having children, before all of that there was this thing called marriage. And the Bible says that Adam and Eve were one flesh, bone of bone, flesh of flesh, and that bond has always been the greatest love between humans. So husbands, you're to love your wife with a supreme love. You realize how the world began? It began with Christ loving his own. And in time, he called them out and he saved them. And the greatest love that you can have is the love that you have for your wife so that that love is above your children, it's above your parents, it's above any friend that you have. It is a supreme love. So here we see the organization developing. The wife is in submission to her husband. She has a role of submission, and again, that does not mean inferiority. It means godly submission because the husband is the spiritual leader of the family. And then the wife has her role in this spiritual organization. She's to submit, and the husband is to be the, the, head of the head of the wife. He's to lead her, not pull her along like a dog on a leash, but he's to lead her spiritually. And a husband looks at his wife as if she is and should be the most beautiful creature that he's ever laid his eyes on. He loves her with the supreme love. And so, husbands, you need to step up and be the spiritual leader that God demands. Love with a selfless love, with a sacrificial love, with a sanctifying love, and with a supreme love. But we haven't reached the top of the organizational chart. We have the wife, we have the husband, and there's still one more role, and that's the role of Christ. The role of Christ in your marriage is to supply. The wife submits, the husband steps up, and when they do... Christ will supply. Verse 27 says that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Verse number 27 follows verse number 26 with very good reason. And that's because verse 26 is the way that we get to verse number 27. And that is that when the Lord's church is sanctified, when it lives in the word, when it patterns itself after God's word, then here it says that he will have a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. It's holy and without blemish. What Christ does is to supply the wonder-working power of his blood to cleanse the church. And I would submit to you, I posit to you today that a husband who accepts his God-given role will not have a wife who feels inferior. And I posit to you today that husbands, if you love your wives as Christ loved the church, that your wife will be willing to accept 
her God-given role. She will be in submission. She'll love her as you love. She'll love you as you love her. And I don't have any doubt at all that organizationally, your home will be exactly what it needs to be. And why? Because Christ supplies all things that are needed to make your home as glorious an institution as he's made his own church. I want to give you one last thought for today. I want you to go away thinking about this thought. Lord, give me heaven in my home. The great English Baptist preacher Charles Spurgeon said, When home is ruled according to God's word, angels might be asked to stay with us, and they would not find themselves out of their element. William Cooper, the great hymn writer, said that the home is the only bliss of paradise that has survived the fall. Is that true of your home? Someone said, there's no place like home. And you know, for many people, that's true, but it's true in the wrong way. Because they know that their homes are a place of strife. They don't want to go home because home is a place of contention. It's a place where the wife does not submit herself and she doesn't because she does feel inferior. She's not in submission to her husband or, or she's giving the wrong kind of submission because she does feel neglected, because she does feel like a slave, where she does say, I'm the doormat in this house. And some people don't want to go home because it's like that. But I want heaven in my home. You want heaven in your home? Then you respect God's organizational chart. And you take the things that he's given us here, what Paul has given us, and the wives submit, the husband steps up, and Christ will supply. Today I haven't talked so much about mothers, but I do want to tell you that I respect motherhood. I thank God for mothers, and especially for mothers who've made their homes a place where God is honored where their children respect their parents, where they are obedient, and where the whole family together worships around God's word. Thank the Lord for the home. God's given us a blessed institution, and we honor mothers, and we honor our homes today. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, we thank you for the time that we've had together to discuss your word and to think about it. Lord, there are directives here that you've given that we need to obey. Wives, in the right way, need to submit to their husbands and and learn that the husband is the spiritual head of the family. But Lord, help husbands to understand what an awesome responsibility that is. That if a husband expects his wife to follow and to have a good family the way that is God-honoring, that he needs to be the spiritual head of the family. He needs to accept that role as it's given with great responsibility. And then, Lord, as we look to you, we know that in our families, there's only one person who can supply all that we need, and that's Jesus Christ, our Savior. Would you help our homes today? Would you bless our homes? Would you help us to be what we ought to be in our homes, to fulfill the right roles in the right way? Speak to hearts today and revive us in our homes. And we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.